All right. Well, welcome, everybody. We hope you are doing well. Um, yeah, welcome to another episode of In the Fire. Once again, I'm joined by Justin and Thomas. How are you guys doing? Good. I am also good. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm great. You. Let's kick it up. And I'm fantastic. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well. Yeah, I feel like when people say they're doing good, they don't really mean it. So I appreciate those. Great and fantastic. I appreciate you. How are you doing this morning, Peter? <laughs> I'm doing well. Good. Um, actually, I am doing stupendous. Oh, great work. To spice things up a little more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it, shall we? Um, this week. All right. So. Let's take it back to last week. Easter was last week. Um, our episode focused on the triumphal entry uh, of Christ and how he was crowned king um, in an ironic and tragic way um, during his crucifixion or before his crucifixion. Um, and that how, how that um, established Jesus ultimately as king over heaven and earth as he ended up conquering death. Um, but it's also, you know, with um, Good Friday, you know, it's Easter is a time of mourning, of darkness, of grief and waiting. Um, and then obviously Jesus rises from the dead and it's a, a glorious day. Um, so this week we're going to look at what happens in biblical times right after Jesus is crucified. Um, uh, so what happens next after he dies? Well, um, obviously, he dies on Friday. Three days later, Sunday, um, or on the third day, he he rises from the dead. Um, and today we're looking at uh, a passage in which two of Jesus' disciples are walking on what's called the road to Emmaus. Um, after, or on the same Sunday when um, Jesus rises from the dead. But at this point, they do not believe that Jesus has actually risen from the dead. Um, so these two disciples are conversing about the events of the past few days when Jesus was arrested, condemned, and crucified. Um, and it is on Resurrection Sunday, obviously, as I just said, after Jesus has risen, but before the two disciples realize that Jesus is alive. Um, so they do know that some women have found the empty tomb, but they do not believe yet that Jesus' body is actually risen from the dead. Um, and funnily enough, on this during this passage, during their trip on this road, Jesus uh, ends up walking alongside of them to uh, sidling up to them, if you will, and eavesdropping <laughs> on their conversation. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's it's pretty funny passage. Um, he's sort of just it is. <laughs> <laughs> claiming ignorance that he doesn't know what they're talking about, but he wants them to tell him what's been happening the last few days and why they are sad about uh, Jesus' death. Um, so without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, the passage is Luke 24, verses 13 through 27. Um, so I can go ahead and read 13 through 18. Um, Justin, if you want to read 19 through 23, and then Thomas, if you want to read 24 through 27. All right. That would be great. All right. Now behold, the two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. 
and they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have had with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known these things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. All right, so there we go. That is the passage. Um, I, I just find it kind of funny. I kind of laugh when I read this because Jesus is like claiming like he doesn't know what they're talking about. He wants them to tell him. And then at the end, he's like, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Um, so he's just waiting for the moment to, um, to, to talk to them about the, the important work that he is about to say. Um, so this week's topic is believing when we cannot see or how we should handle doubts and the importance of faith when we cannot see. Um, and so the first big point um, I want to look at is when we doubt, we should understand the importance of being open and honest with Jesus. Um, so if, looking back at this passage, um, you know, Jesus is the omniscient God. He's fully God and fully human. Um, so he knows how these two feel, um, but still he longs for them to tell them themselves. He asks, um, asks for them to, uh, to tell them what things um, that they've been talking about and why they are sort of downtrodden and sad and frustrated that Jesus has died. Um, and so... In, let's see, what verse is that? Yeah. Verse 16, it says, Their eyes were restrained, such that they had no faith that this man next to them was Jesus. And they doubt that their prophecies, as we see in verse 21, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Um, we see that they also doubt that the prophecies of the Old Testament have been fulfilled. But Jesus knows this, and he yet uh, yearns for them to converse with him himself, them himself. Um, and so, you know, the applicable thing that I came up with is in our lives, since Jesus is omniscient, uh, he knows our feelings as well without us having to tell him. Yet he yearns for us to be in open dialogue with him, even when we feel insecure in our own faith and we are doubting his promises in the Bible. Um, so I think, you know, turning to God, even when we don't understand the final outcome, uh, to see what he's doing is a positive sign of faith in itself and can help us get back on course to where we can uh, 
sort of redevelop this faith understanding when we don't when we are having trouble believing or having some doubts in our faith yeah i think um the first thing i thought of reading this is you know there certainly along the line of doubt which we're going into today um it's pretty clear to see that these two guys are done. Actually, quick question. These two guys are just two random guys, right? Like just followers of Jesus. Um, yeah. So I think <laughs> I was reading something that um, one of them, they give a name Cleopas. Right. And um, this is from a, a Desiring God article. It's Cleopas likely would have been known to many first generation Christians at the time. Um, so, yeah, it's more followers. I think I said disciples earlier, but they're more just, they're not one of the, they're not 12. Right. They're not um, like the closest ones, but they're, they're just right. a couple dudes, but they were part of like the the traveling party, they say. Oh, I don't know. That's just a. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And since, and since they probably would have been known by <clears throat> first generation Christians at the time, they are two credible eyewitnesses, I think we can right. assume. Right. I also saw somewhere that they probably wrote this in a letter to Luke, so they were. I mean, leaders, I guess, but not two of the 12. Um, but that was just a clarifying question. Back to what I was saying. <laughs> um, I, you know, very clearly they need to believe, like, and I tried to apply this to kind of to our lives and how often do we think of something, you know, get an idea, um, have something stirring in our heart that, and I want to look at this in a right way, not like a selfish or, or prideful idea, but you know, a righteous one that comes from God, but then we think, ooh, I don't think that's possible. How can that happen without really recognizing that, I mean, it's God who can make these things happen. Um, So, you know, how often do we toss things aside? I'm sure these guys knew what Jesus tells them later, which is the the scriptures and the prophets of old and what they wrote, but they're doubting it and they don't believe it's true because it probably seems crazy. So, you know, for me, it's like, how often do we find ourselves in that situation where, you know, we want to believe something, but we can't because it just seems logically, whether it's in our heart or in our head, it seems like it doesn't make sense. Um, and and I have a Star Wars <laughs> analogy to bring into this. Uh, I, I can't remember what episode it is, four or five. Um, when Luke is visiting Yoda, I'm going to guess, well, I don't know, I can't remember. It's five. Um, it's five. <laughs> um, I got you. But when Luke is talking to Yoda about the Force, and he says, like, I, I don't believe it. I, and he's struggling to use it. And Yoda simply says, that is why you fail. <laughs> hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. often we find ourselves in Luke's position where we know all this information. He's been told about this Force, but he's not going to believe it. He can't because it just doesn't, it's wild. But then you have Yoda there <laughs> to remind him. Mm-hmm. Analogy. I feel like it's been a while since we uh, had brought in any Star Wars analogy. Too so. long. Too long. Yes. Too Agreed. Long. <laughs> I think Star Wars itself is a good picture of faith, especially especially in the original trilogy, right? Because mm. um, you have you have Luke going to blow up the Death Star, and he ha- he has to put his his shooting computer away, his targeting computer, and then he has to trust in the force and in Ben's ghostly voice talking to him and in order to blow up the Death Star. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's that's just that is a picture of faith there. And that even though he had faith enough to blow up the Death Star, he still struggled with doubt in the force 
in the next movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So even if you know you have that faith in the past, it's still possible to doubt in the future. Mm-hmm. And it's likely. <laughs> doubt is not something that happens to you once and then you're through it forever. <laughs> yeah. Excellent point. Doubt is, that is something yeah. that you're going to be struggling with probably a lot throughout your life. Mm-hmm. And it's good to know. Or it's, and it's good to, when you doubt, go straight to the word because that's because that is the truth of this world. Right. Yeah, it's it's natural for us in our sinful nature to um to doubt um especially like you know we don't know the future. Um there's a lot of uncertainty and unknown and we um like don't see the future um or don't believe the future will turn out as we want to because there's something in the present that we have doubts about. Um and so you know, like it is with the force, you can't really see the force. So um, that's oftentimes, you know, <laughs> when you'll not believe in it. And then, as you mentioned, uh, Justin, with the, the Yoda reference, that is why you fail. Uh, it's easy when we doubt ourselves, I think it's easy to just turn away. Um, cause I don't know, maybe like we feel guilty about not um not trusting in God and then so we end up turning away from him and I think that can just make things worse um, and so you know I think the important thing here in this passage is you have um, Cleopas and the other uh, the other follower who's with him that they're willing to talk to this stranger um, even though they don't really believe that Jesus is alive at this point and they doubt the uh, prophecies of Israel being redeemed, they're still willing to converse and have open conversation with Jesus and be open about what they're feeling, uh, which is, I think, important to our lives. You know, um, when we do doubt, it's, like I said, it's easy to turn away. Um, and doing that, it can be very dangerous because um, we may end up losing that faith that we need if, and, can, and the faith that we can receive if we turn to him um, or if we don't turn to him. Um, but instead, you know, I think it's important in these times to, you know, just be open and honest with Jesus, whether that be, you know, probably, probably is through prayer. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I like that a lot. I, I actually think these two, these two dudes are kind of interesting, Cleopas and his friend. Because um, if you read past what we read into like verse 28 and 29, uh, Jesus is still talking to him and it's getting kind of late. Um and verse, it says, Jesus indicated he would not have gone farther with them. It's getting late. Uh, and they invite Jesus to stay with them for the evening. So I think clearly they're followers of Jesus. Like, I'm sure even back then, it's not like everyone was inviting random strangers to stay with them for, for the evening. So they're still interested in what he has to say. And they're still going to say, all right, well, you don't have anywhere to stay for the night. Come stay with us. They're still, you know seem to be loving people just struggling with doubt here. Um, and so I think they're still following the teachings of Jesus. If even if their faith is not 100% where it should be, which is understandable after everything that happened. Mm-hmm. But they're just cool guys, I think. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. They're not willing to give up on, uh, on the scriptures and on their, talk with Jesus. You know, Justin, as you mentioned in these later verses, which I think we'll talk about uh, later on, um, but 
one of them says, did not our hearts burn within us while we, while he, Jesus talked to them on the road? Um, so it's a sign that like, yeah, they, they have these doubts when they're on this road, um, but they still, there's something in their hearts that's working. Um, and ultimately, you know, that you can say that Jesus or the Holy Spirit, um, and that's what keeps them from fully um, just turning away from the scriptures and God when they doubt um, the prophecies that are, when they doubt that the prophecies have been fulfilled. For sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, this also this also made me think of two weeks ago when we talked about Philippians 4. Um, you know, Philippians 4, 6 or 7, um, I think is an important verse that sort of ties into this. It says, you know, if you go back to the podcast two episodes and listen to it, which I do recommend, um, you'll find, you know, Philippians 4, 6 or 7 is, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, so I think, you know, this really shows the importance of being in prayer with God, even when, you know, we are doubting um, his plan in our lives and what he is doing. Um, just make those requests known to God through prayer and supplication. And then, you know, we can have access to this peace uh, that can really ease our worries and doubts in this world. Yeah. And how about this also being kind of like a picture of a community of sorts, looking at these two, these two guys again on the road, Um, you know, like this all happened, their whole faith, their whole worldview maybe has been thrown off a little bit by the events of the last few days. But what do they choose to do, even though they're, they're not necessarily believing that like he's risen again, they're, uh, they're going, I don't know if that can happen. They are clearly walking along the road here and like getting together to talk it out. You know, they're, they're meeting up. They're probably discussing everything that they just heard, everything that happened. They're saying, okay, so what do we do here? Uh, well, how do we move forward from this? They're talking about how sad they are. They're getting their emotions out there with each other, with a friend. Um, and I'll bring in our weekly Charles Spurgeon quote. <laughs> yes. He says, of these two, it. when two saints are talking together, Jesus is very likely to come and make the third one in the company. Talk of him and soon you will talk with him. I I think that's a pretty good picture of, you know, even when we're in these doubts and going through this pain that these guys must have been feeling as followers of Jesus, they get together and say, well, let's not just move, walk away from the faith and abandon it. Let's, let's try and talk about this, uh, see where it takes us. And for them, it takes Jesus right to them. <laughs> and, and things change quickly in their minds and in their hearts. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know if that's necessarily what we're drawing out of it, but I think that's a cool thing to bring in. What's the verse? Is it in Matthew um, where Jesus says, where two or more gather in my name, I'll, I'll be there too. Um, something like that. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that is a great point. You know, and it's applicable to our lives as well. It's also, you know, I think um, it's easy when we you know, have these doubts to uh, hide them from, <laughs> to hide them from others. It's not always easy to talk about, you know, these very pressing topics uh, with others. Um, but I think, you know, there's tremendous value in doing that. As you see here, uh, it sort of, you know, is a stepping stone for them 
you know, to have their eyes opened and recognize that this is Jesus um, because, you know, they are willing to engage in conversation about how they're feeling, not just with Jesus, but with each other. And I think that, you know, eventually leads them to, you know, to develop and strengthen their faith. Yeah, yeah I'd agree. I, I think that we're meant to be in constant dialogue with God um, and that we need to do that throughout doubt as well. I mean, First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, and so we're meant to pray without ceasing. What does that look like? Um, well, it looks like a constant dialogue with God because when we pray, that's how we talk to God. Mm. Um, and so when we're meant to, to pray without ceasing, we're meant to be talking to God when we're on the mountaintop, when we're in the valley, when we're climbing the mountain, um, when things are going great, when things are going wrong, when we're doubting, when we're fully in faith and on fire for God. It's, we're always talking to him because it, when we are doubting and we feel distant from God, um, that, that doesn't mean God is distant and it doesn't mean that we can't tell him how we feel and tell him what we think is happening. And then through dialogue with him. And then of course with dialogue comes listening. So you can ask questions, but you need, but, but you need to listen and be patient and stay in the word and then through dialogue with God and through dialogue with his word, you can get through all doubt and suffering. Yeah. Yep. Well said. I think that is, you know, a great culmination of the first point in that when we doubt, we should understand the importance of being open and honest with Jesus and have open dialogue with him. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, it's better, I think, to go to God in prayer um, and express your frustrations or your doubts or your fears, um, even when it may not seem like, you know, the best type of thing to pray to God when you're expressing your frustrations towards him. But it's better that than to not pray at all, right? Um, and to just have that open dialogue with Jesus and God so that ultimately, you know, I think doing that is a sign that you do have faith in God, even when you don't see it, how you do, you're going to prayer because you want him uh, to, you know, open your eyes or to change your heart uh, so that you can further trust him rather than just turning away from him. Mm. Mm -hmm. All right. And with that, we can move on to point two, which is when we doubt, uh, we need to cling to scripture and be patient in affliction. We sort of touched on this a little bit, in that last point, but when these two disciples, uh, or ultimately, you know, as we see in this passage, these two disciples believe they haven't seen, they or they believe that Jesus is not risen because they haven't seen him with their own eyes, and they um, still don't really trust or like seem fully convinced in the accounts of the Marys and Peter in that um, that he was alive and the angels, as it mentions in the passage. Um, and so I thought, you know, an interesting quote from John Bloom from a Desiring God article uh, says this, uh, why do you suppose these two men were kept from recognizing Jesus for hours? The clue, I think, is in verse 25, when Jesus calls them foolish and slow of heart to believe the scriptures. 
their outward inability to recognize Jesus mirrored their inward unbelief of what the scriptures revealed about mm. him. Um, so once again, yeah, um, which I think is a very insightful quote about what they're feeling. Um, and it, you know, that sort of encapsulates the doubt that they're feeling. Um, they have an inward unbelief of what the scriptures revealed about Jesus. Um, and so later on in the passage, Jesus opens these scriptures to his people so that they may be, so that they may learn and be reminded of the prophecies and promises Jesus was to fulfill. And ultimately this opens their hearts, which will later open their eyes, allow them to see that Jesus is alive. Yeah. I don't know. I think their eyes are clouded just because Jesus is pranking them. <laughs> I guess he's like, this will be fun. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's a good, good description, Peter. <laughs> I'm sure he, I'm sure Jesus no, it is, did it. enjoy it to some extent. Like oh, yeah. he had to. Well, have. <laughs> I think, I think he had a pranking side of him. I think he definitely had a sense of humor. Yeah. One of the, mm-hmm. um, uh, things I was reading on this commentary as I was reading said uh, when the these two guys ask him, are you a stranger here or do you not know what has happened these last few days? And it said, <laughs> oh, trust me, Jesus knew very well what had happened in these three days. They <laughs> <laughs> happened to him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, he could, I mean, he could have easily said, do I not know what has happened these past few days? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> um, Who are you looking at here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he decides to hold his tongue there and just uh, continue playing the long time, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> I really like that that quote, Peter. Um, yeah. Because it's um it's only until after Jesus explains the scriptures to them about himself um that they're like man our hearts are on fire what this man is saying is true and we know that it's true and they're like please come stay with us and uh, are we going to get to the the breaking of bread later okay. yes we will well, then we will. I'll, I'll wait for that but when you can add something in okay, like when Jesus like breaks the bread they're like dang it was him. And then they're like, well, that's amazing. Right. Uh, and it's, mm-hmm. it, Jesus took time to explain like w- the scriptures where, where he was coming from in, in their context. Like, like he's like, no, the scriptures were for f- fulfilled. And furthermore, a new covenant was established because I'm back. And I think that's, that's really cool. How he, how he came into their into their unbelief and into their doubt and explained what they needed to know in order for them to come to know that he did rise again, which is really cool. Yeah, I, I, I was when you were saying that, Thomas, I was thinking you kind of opened up my eyes to something. And I think this doubt that they have is almost similar to going through a trial in that you have to be patient through the doubt. Like feeling doubt is not in and of itself necessarily a bad thing as long as you're searching for that right outcome and searching mm-hmm. for the outcome. And I think that's what these guys are doing. And this is what Jesus is allowing them to do. He comes up, and like we said earlier, he could have easily said at the start, oh, I know what happened those few days because guess what? It happened to me and showed him his hands. Oh, well, wow. <laughs> but he kind of lets them feel that on their own, I think. And I think it's a lesson for us in that when we're in times of doubt, 
and we're going to God, as long as we're going in prayer, uh, in earnest prayer to him, then it might be a little bit of time before things finally come full circle for us. And I think it's all part of a growing process that we're getting. That's what these guys are getting. That's why Jesus doesn't tell them immediately because he's, he's kind of probably like, oh, let me see how this plays out. Let me see how these guys respond when I tell them all this scripture and he gives them everything they need to learn. And, you know, they say at the end there, like they start to feel it in their hearts. And I think, you know, going through doubts, a process for us, it's not just going to clear up immediately. It's something that, you know, we look to scripture, Jesus gives them scripture and we start to feel it in our hearts a little bit. And then ultimately the big reveal at the end and it's, Oh, of course, (laughs) why was I ever doubting that? And I think that's what we need to get to. It's natural to feel doubt. And that doubt's not immediately going to go away. And Jesus here is not immediately making it go away. So I think that's important for us to recognize maybe if this is something that we deal with. Yeah, I think that is a phenomenal point, Jesse. And building on that, um, yeah, just knowing that suffering is a process. Um, you know, you look at Easter week when Jesus is crucified and dies on a Friday. Saturday, he's still dead. And essentially, you know, obviously Sunday he rises. But before uh, these followers realize that Jesus has risen, they're under the belief that the person that they had followed and performed all these miracles and healed all these people is dead. And that's sort of the process of this suffering, if you will. You know, it's Saturday. They're in that Saturday state where they believe that Jesus is still dead. Um and, you know, without with any, anything we're enduring in our own lives, you know, there are, whether there be struggles with our, um, you know, spiritual struggles, physical struggles, et cetera, um, you know, ultimately we need to be patient in this affliction, in this suffering. You know, that's one of my favorite verses, uh, Romans twelve twelve, be faithful in prayer, patient in affliction and joyful in hope um, to know that, you know, suffering is a process, but it ultimately, you know, Sunday is coming and Sunday did come. Jesus rose from the dead um, and conquered sin. And that is, you know, the end of the process where suffering, yes, it happened, but also glory came after that. You know, and one of the only, one of the few quotes that we have from Jesus in this passage is, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And so I think, you know, when we keep scriptures at heart, there's so many examples of suffering come glory um, or this process of that, you know, suffering. There's a purpose for it and that will come out, you know, better on the other end. Um, and Jesus being the ultimate one that we can look to, which we see in this passage. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. All right. Um, so now we can, I think, if any, unless you guys have any other points to mention on, uh, the importance of clinging to scripture uh, during our affliction. I had one more quote, which is just um, kind of cool that I read. Um, some guy with the last yeah. name Morris, I don't know his first name. <laughs> but he said, <laughs> we should not understand this as the select and, and what Jesus, like the scriptures that he used to kind of prove uh, his point here almost, but it said, we should not understand this as a selection of a number of proof texts, but rather as showing that, Throughout the Old Testament, a a consistent divine purpose is worked out, a purpose that in the end meant and must mean the cross. Um, And I think, you know, it doesn't necessarily relate to what we're 
talking about, but it's cool that, you know, Jesus would have probably given them this pretty long, uh, detailed list of scriptures here. I would have loved to have heard what, heard what Jesus actually said to them in this whole thing. Cause I can imagine him talking for like an hour or two. Uh, and these guys just being like, Oh, wow. Wow. I didn't think of that before. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But like the details that he gives from probably you know beginning of the Old Testament through the end, all pointing to the cross. And I think it just reminded me, like in every podcast we've done, they all kind of seem to link together. Um, and ultimately, as, it, as they should, they all point back towards Jesus, point towards the cross. Um, it just reminded me of that, that, you know, all this scripture, everything we read in the Bible, no matter where it is, it all points towards that final product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, also, just imagine, like, this is probably the greatest Bible lesson ever taught here. <laughs> <laughs> it's taught by Jesus about the entire Old Testament and how it all connects to the cross. <laughs> it's pretty epic. Um, and it's just, yeah. Yeah, and I'd imagine, you know, back in the day, people had to walk to get to places um <laughs> to get to far places and they're on the road to Emmaus as it mentions here so imagine all the time you yeah. have for Jesus <laughs> to just teach this um just endless time to talk and yeah. he gives you know probably the greatest bible lesson you could think of <laughs> uh, or at least one of them I mean he gave a lot of them but um yeah it's just <laughs> that'd be a special moment to be in I would think yeah it would be Mm-hmm. All right. And then finally, to point three, um, rejoice in the outcome or and by outcome, I mean, the other side of this doubt or suffering um, when you stay in dialogue with Jesus and in the scripture. Um, so I'm going to read verses 30 to 33 of this passage for us. Um, so now it came to pass as he, Jesus, sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And I said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together. Um, And then I'll just finish out here, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Um. So obviously, as we see here, their eyes, once closed, now see. And I think that's because Jesus is working on them throughout this passage and sort of opening their hearts first. And then their eyes can be opened and see that um, it is Jesus all along and that their Savior has conquered death and is alive. Um, Also here, you know, Jesus carries that work to completion. They doubted. Now they come, you know, to the end of that to the end of that affliction and they see that you know the glorious truth that jesus is alive um and they recalled something burning in their hearts the whole time and then when the lord opened their eyes they they knew what they were burning for mm. good word and they're they're burning for the scripture is what they're i mean that's what really gets them going when jesus gives them this expose on the, the whole Bible. <laughs> That's and then immediately after that is when they, Jesus is like, oh, I'm gonna. I think I might continue on past this village a little further. And they say, No, no, please stay with us. Like they, 
they want to hear more because they hear the truth of the scripture and their hearts are opened up to it and they're, they're burning as they say later on. Yeah. I love that. Like they made it to Emmaus and then Jesus breaks bread and they're like, shoot, we got to go back. <laughs> and so they walk all the way back and they're like, it has happened. He has risen. You guys need to know this. Everybody needs to know this. It was him. Uh, and then, and of course, because they had so much time with Jesus and Jesus laid out the scriptures for them, they probably have a really good picture of how to lay out the scriptures for other people as well. <laughs> yeah. So that's while, a good point. I didn't think of that. While they were in their doubt, like Jesus was teaching them for when he pulled them out. Mm. Yeah, I really yeah, like that. Yeah, that hadn't crossed my mind um, before, but I, that's an excellent thing to think about, that even in the doubt, we can be learning. Yeah, they had been being prepared the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something. Um, yeah, and I really like in verse 33, it says, after they recognized that it was Jesus, they say, it says, so they rose up that very hour <laughs> and returned to Jerusalem. So they're immediately energized by the, the good the good news and they just can't wait to spread it to the other disciples, um, other followers of Christ, and ultimately to the rest of the world, which, you know, Jesus had been preparing them to do this whole time. Um, so I think that, you know, we can uh, apply that to our own lives as well, and that, you know, the good news of, of Christ and of the scripture should energize us and want that help us want us to spread it to, to other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think after that, we see kind of a, another string of doubt. If you read past like verse 34, so these guys run to the other, run to the 11 disciples, um, tell them the good news. And then immediately after that, verse 36 here says, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and he just appeared there and peace to you. And then they, I'm assuming the 11 disciples were terrified and frightened because I don't think these two would be, you know, after the, everything they just saw, they wouldn't be terrified and frightened. And they're like, yeah, we're right. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, Jesus. <laughs> um, but then we have a whole other thing right. of doubt coming here from the 11 disciples. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly how to tie that in, but I was just reading ahead a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's when Jesus rises, there's many examples of doubt. Um, you know, I think even back to this, you know, when Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, mother of James, as it mentions in Luke 24, when they see the empty tomb, um, and our angel tells them that Jesus has risen, then they go and tell, um, uh, they go and tell these things to the apostles. This is in verse 10 and 11 of chapter 24. And in verse 11, is, and their words seemed to, seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. Um, so there's even more doubt. Another example of doubt um, uh, here that we see all within, you know, a couple chapters of each other. Um, and then eventually, you know, we see here there at the end, their doubt does turn to faith when they finally see him, see Jesus. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, doubt is just a natural thing, uh, especially, I mean, imagine at this time when 
I mean, seeing someone rise from the dead is got to be one of the most miraculous things you can think of. Um, and so, you know, there it is a very doubt inducing event. So um, you can really see like the, I don't know, just like, there's just so many examples of doubt and there'll be doubt in our own lives as well. It's just a very natural thing. Um, but ultimately, you know, when we confide in Jesus, be in open dialogue with him and trust the scriptures, then I think we can see that doubt be turned to faith. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we see the the same thing happen to the disciples that happened on the road to Emmaus as well. Um, right at, again, right after the road to Emmaus, Jesus is appearing. Um, and so in verse 41, um, and while they still disbelieved for joy, they were marveling. And he said to them, have you anything to eat? He, they gave them a piece of broiled fish and he took it before them. That's, that's forget about that. <laughs> and then, in 45, he says, I'm sorry, no, 44 and 45. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus, it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for, for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And so he, he again laid out the scriptures about himself to the disciples, just like he laid out the scriptures to the two people walking on their road to Emmaus. And then he opened their eyes. It's really interesting. It is. I, think I, I noticed something else here, and I don't know how prevalent it is. Um, but it just popped into my head. Verse 21 in Luke 24 here, um, with these two guys on the road, they it's after they say, um, they're explaining who Jesus was and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned and crucified. But in verse 21, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And I think, at least I would like to think that all these people, um, first the women at the tomb, and then these two on the road and then the disciples, they had all heard the scriptures and were all like, um, have this hope that this miracle will happen and Jesus might rise on the third day. And they're all thinking, oh, I hope that can happen, man. But I don't think they have the, the they clearly don't quite have the faith to bring them there. And so it kind of shows me that hope is almost useless if you don't have the faith to go along with it. Mm. Um, like I can hope for something all I want. I can hope for Jesus to return all I want. Um, in our world today, I, I can hope, but if I don't have the faith that it's actually going to happen, then what good is my hope? That's interesting. I never thought about hope like that, but I think, yeah. I think you're right. Just without faith, hope is just like, it's just, I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> it's empty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's empty. It's a good word to describe it. But yeah, I think that's Yeah, I really like that, Justin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all right. Any any other mm -hmm. final thoughts? I don't think so. I think I am 
I am all good to go. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and close this out in prayer. Uh, dear God, thank you for this. Again, another great opportunity to um, dive into your word and learn more about you with Justin and Thomas. Um, dear God, this week, just help us to remember that there is a purpose for suffering and doubt. And there are many examples in the Bible where the suffering is fulfilled and ultimately turned to glory, God. Um, in our own lives, may we be faithful in prayer, patient in affliction, and joyful in hope, and stick to the scriptures and be an open dialogue with you when we are suffering and we are, do have doubts, such that um, our faith may be built and that way we can, may, may become stronger on the other end and just learn to love you more and trust you more because of it um, all the time, God. Um, please help us this week as we go forth. Uh, please just help us to have great weeks. Um, yeah, Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 All right, well, guys, it was once again a pleasure uh, to record this podcast with you guys. And for those of you listening, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you do have any comments, questions, concerns, recommendations, etc., cetera, uh, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, our Gmail is 3inthefire, the number 3, then in the fire at gmail.com. And our Instagram is at inthefirepodcast. Yes, it is. Um, Yep, we'd love to hear from you. And once again, thank you for listening. Thank you. Ditto. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you guys have great weeks ahead. Um, yeah. This is In the Fire Podcast, signing off.